What's going on, everyone? Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Dylan. And I'm Josh. And we're the Out of Office Podcast. Yeah, if people say it's your option, we'll be like, we'll take our chances. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and speaking of um, folks holding out, did you see the Florida governor today? <laughs> I've been married for 30 years. You don't know <laughs> Hey, Dylan. How's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? How, how you been? I've been doing good. Doing good. So it's, it's a nice Sunday. As you can see, the sun in the background. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. The weather has been honestly pretty shitty every weekend, but I think second half of yesterday it got a little bit better. But at least today is sunny, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, did you do anything fun this weekend? A lot of moving. Uh, yeah, so pretty much I finished up moving, so we still had our apartment keys and we had to go in and clean the unit, and so ended up doing that. Uh, shout out to Julie also, because when I was there, um, you came down and gave me the kombucha starter thing, so actually going to start that today. Yeah. Um, in addition nice, to that... Nice, nice. Yeah, in addition to that, I um, set up my security system for my place. Um, which is cool. I definitely feel a little bit safer because it just, whenever I open a door, it goes boop, boop, or whatever. <laughs> but nice. uh, uh, what's called? One thing I will say about it, though, is so there's an app for the security system I have, and it reports incidents around you. And it's it's kind of funny because now it's almost being politicized when people comment on stuff. Like uh, someone got like a package stolen off of their deck and someone commented under there. Too bad there will be no one to call soon because they're going to defund the police. <laughs> and this is just on a, oh, a security man. app. <laughs> People are commenting that stuff. This is Ring, the Ring's app? It's is a it Ring, Ring app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Julie has that as well. And I've I've looked through that timeline before. I found it interesting just scrolling through. This was before, you know, all the craziness happened. But um, just in general, it was just interesting to see just like a social media of crime, basically. <laughs> Yeah, the main crime is definitely people getting packages stolen, but a video posted last yeah. night was actually uh, some guy, I guess, went to uh, someone's porch, and it was like 3, three in the morning, and he's like looking around on the porch, and then he turns around and just starts peeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely catch some just odd stuff, odd stuff on that app. Yeah, yeah. So, so what did you end up doing this weekend? I think you went uh, to a cool little place. Yeah, it's been it's been a good weekend so far. You know, one quick funny kombucha story is that Julie has been making a lot of kombucha, which has been really cool because it's super easy to make. We're learning, and it's free, obviously, once you make it. And kombucha can be pretty expensive, and so I've been really enjoying drinking that. But um, she was at work, and then I was opening up a fresh batch. And like to set some context, mm. I've been helping out her make the kombucha mainly by just watching. Um, and so having like, a too active role and like helping, you know, actually set it up and stuff. And so it was my first time actually opening like a finished one. And I didn't know you're supposed to burp it because um, it's mm. really carbonated. And so I just popped it open and it exploded like literally you know that science experiment when you put the mentos in soda and then it like shoots up it was like that but tenfold where like it opened (laughs) up and immediately liquid is on a roof or on the ceiling all over the cabinets um and it only poured out for a second and a half but it was such a big release of um pressure that like it just went all over the kitchen and so i spent friday afternoon cleaning up that and then on Saturday, we went to uh, a couple of friends and I um, went to CHAZ, which is a Cap Hill Autonomous Zone, I think is the acronym. Um, but essentially, you're alive. Fine. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially like the 11th and Pine, 12th and Pine area where um, a lot of the protests have been. Um, some could say a lot of the the confrontation with the police around the East Precinct area has been, and obviously in, in the last week, 
Um, the Seattle police department has kind of given up that line, that East precinct line, um, and decided to let protesters and, you know, just people, the public in, you know, a, a public area in that, in that street. And so they open it up and as a result afterwards, um, folks have kind of taken over that little area and, um, have set up tents, um, and canopies and stuff like that. People are selling food. A lot of food is actually just being given away for free. Um, and so I went to go check that out and luckily it was sunny too, which, so that was really nice. So are there people that have just like set up camp there and are living there essentially? I think there may be a couple people living out of, um, out of that area. Yeah. Uh, I, I do say when I say tent, though, um, I, I don't mean it's like a, a ton of tents there. I, I maybe more canopies is the right word. Okay. Um, it really is a similar setup to you would see a farmer's market, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, the, the message is a lot different. And the reason why people are gathering are a lot different. It's not to get fresh produce. But outside <laughs> of that, if you were to go walk through um, and have no idea what was going on, you know, if you were just visiting from a different country and you were to just walk through and you weren't paying a super close attention in terms of what's going on, it really would seem like it's a farmer's market, except most of the stuff is free, to be honest. Oh, um, people are just kind of giving stuff away for free. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it, it had a very similar feel to like a, a Seattle farmer's market. Obviously, again, the intent's a lot different. There are speeches and stuff taking place there. But in terms of the energy and the vibe, um, that's kind of what I felt. Gotcha. How how well kept is it? Is it is there a bunch of broken glass everywhere like they're portraying on Fox News? Is it a bunch of looting no. going on? No, there's no looting. There's um, no broken glass. It is, you know... It's almost like the Cap Hill Farmer's Market that they have a couple streets away just migrated over um, in terms of the energy again, not necessarily the intent and what's out there, but um, in terms of the energy and cleanliness suit, yeah, it's uh, it's completely fine. And, you know, people um, from all across Seattle are kind of going there to go check it out. Um, I know Cal Anderson Park is oftentimes super busy on the weekends, people just sitting and hanging out, drinking some beers and stuff. So um, there was a ton of that happening too. Cal Anderson Park was incredibly crowded, but no looting or nothing like that. Um, it's been really interesting to see it depicted on the news just because um, I feel like it's a really, uh, it's a rare event for me to like witness something firsthand and then see it on national news and see how um, the storyline and headline can kind of change versus what you're actually seeing. It's, it's one of my first examples of, of um, experiencing that like uh, misinformation firsthand. Gotcha. Yeah, because I was watching a video. I watched one on CNN and one on Fox News and you would think they were reporting about two totally different places. Fox News made it seem like a war zone. And then, uh, what do you call it? CNN, because we actually had they actually had Seattle's mayor on there. Made it just seem like it's just like ah, it's just like it's a phase. <laughs> you know, it's a phase. Yeah, like we're gonna figure yeah. it out. Yeah, and I think it's gonna take them a long time to figure it out too, because I don't think you know as Seattle heads in the summer. Um, I think getting people out of that area is gonna be really hard, and. Uh, I, I saw, you know, some videos on Fox News and stuff where they're saying Antifa is taking over the area. Antifa is not taking over. Well, first off, I don't even know. People talk about Antifa. I've never met anyone in Antifa. I don't even know how to identify someone um, <laughs> that who is in Antifa. And so it always surprises me when they're saying, you know, that area is just filled with people. I'm like, I don't think so. Um, and it is uh, a people from across Seattle that are. Um, checking it out and hanging out in Cal Anderson. So there's absolutely no way that you can go in there with force and, um, you know, disperse people because it's going to be a, a ton of citizens. It, it is yesterday. It was um, it seemed like there was almost like uh, maybe over a thousand or a couple thousand people in a couple block area just walking around and stuff. And so I don't know how they're going to um, try to get that area. People. Um, open those streets back up. I, I know the Seattle police chief wants to, but um, it seems like it's going to be a really difficult challenge and it, there's not going to be rain and the weather's not going to force people out, basically. Uh, that's true. What's, do you know what the end goal is with Chaz? Like, what's the, what's the point of it? Well, I think, um, 
I think it's symbolic in the sense that the police did try to, you know, prevent people from walking through that street and become uh, it became such um, almost a symbol that I, I think that the point that folks are trying to make is that, um, you know, the streets do belong to the people and et cetera. From what I understand about Chaz, there's not really any queer leader right now. And so um, I think there's a, a list of different demands depending on who you ask for. But I don't know if there's like a, you know, a, a small group of people that are saying that we are the leaders of Chaz. Um, and hence, here is our list of demands. I know there are um, lists of demands out there, such as like defund the police, et cetera. Okay. How do you think it's going to end? Because I'm just saying if they actually do go in and say, okay, we need to get our precinct back or whatever i think there will definitely be i guess they could just do flashbangs and stuff like they do in the regular you can't do that again you can't do that again i mean i no i'm not saying they should do it i'm saying that why wouldn't they if they've already done it yeah (laughs) like why and why now take the whole well yeah yeah well i don't think i think um in the previous examples over the last couple weeks and i think it was on sunday where um the images that people were like showing across the nation were crazy where I'm sure you saw the video at night where and they decided to clear it and it's 11th and pine and all you see is tear gas for um, like the the camera pan had like four three or four city blocks and it's just tear gas everywhere and it's a residential um, area too and so there's been a ton of people that um, are you know breathing in air, uh, tear gas just because they live in those apartments and babies are being having to take into the emergency room because they're um, consuming tear gas and whatnot. And I think the police um, were able to do that because protesters were there and they had you know in some sense excuses in terms of like being able to deploy gas. They could say, oh, someone threw a candle at the police. Um, someone through whatever, whatever excuses are making. Um, but right now there is no tension point. And so I don't think the police could just go in and just start, you know, throwing flashbangs and, and, uh, tear gas and stuff like that. Cause there's nothing to really like fall back on and say like, Oh, it was actually instigated by someone else. It's just a ton of people walking around right now. Couldn't you say it though, if they don't let them into the police station though? Wouldn't that be like obstruction of something? I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't. <laughs> I I don't think they're not letting them into the police station. I I think they can go into the police station. I just think the police are choosing not to operate out of that. Um, I I think Carmen Best, um, the police chief in Seattle, she actually went and visited the precinct. East Precinct while that was taking place like just a couple of days ago. And so it's not like the protesters are saying you can't come in. They're just not leaving the street area. And so if you're trying to run a police station, I don't know if it's the best move to have, you know, cops filing in and out of there all the time, because I think yeah. that that creates an attention point. Um, mm-hmm. What what I do think is going to happen is that this may just ride out for the summer and then they, they hope that by wintertime um, folks start to leave. But I can see this going on for a super long time um, just because I, I feel like with coronavirus and whatnot, um, people have time to be hanging out in the streets and mm-hmm. it's not really driving uh, a giant traffic concern. And I don't think the city wants any um, I don't think they want to be on the news for going and clearing out a ton of people just hanging out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah it'll be what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. It's like if they try and start expanding, then I think they're definitely going to come in and shut that shit down. Um, but I don't know. I think it all depends on how long people are willing to stay out there for. Like how long do people keep like the fire burning underneath them? Is there any real change introduced? Because it seems like everyone there has a different idea of you know what they want. And so is there going to be like a point where everyone will be like, okay, mm-hmm. this is like worth it. We got what we wanted. Now we're going to leave. One thing I will say, though, is I would hate to, like, actually live there. Like, not because I'm, like, against what's going on. It's just, like, like you live in one place, and then all of a sudden it's, like, a, a parade is mm-hmm. around your, your your place every day. And you don't know what's going to happen. And there is tensions that yeah. can potentially be created with the cops coming in and then being like, okay, we're taking this street back. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I could see what happens is that um, those streets just stay 
they just kind of make it a permanent walking only area. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be super surprised if that happens. And uh, I, I've, they've done that in different cities now before Corona and even after coronavirus, where for really dense, um, the more dense areas of cities that they're just choosing to block off a couple of streets and just make it walking only permanently just for like community safety and to allow people to kind of use the streets since it's so um, so many people are walking anyways. And so I think that would be a, a pretty cool outcome outside of um you know, obviously, a lot of the social justice issues people are marching yeah. towards. Um, but I, I outside of that, like, yeah, I think it would be like a cool outcome if like that area just stayed, um, stayed an area where people can walk around and there's no cars, you know. Yeah, because um, it is a pain when cars are up there, like even just driving through there. If it's like a busy night, it's difficult to get through. So and it's not necessary, really. Like you can just get dropped off farther away. Yeah, it's like a super dense area where it may make sense, you know, why do we need even cars there to begin with? And um, maybe the police or the city shifts the conversation towards that as a way to kind of, um, I don't know if necessarily cool stuff down or, or what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I wonder yeah. if there's going to be like a documentary on this place eventually one day. I definitely want to make sure I get down there and check it out hopefully next weekend maybe when eli's back or something but anyway uh so i guess a lot of people are fighting for you know defunding the police and whatnot right and have you been keeping up with Mm -hmm. that at all i've been keeping up with it at a at a super high level um i don't know what about you yeah mainly at a high level but the one thing i will say that i've noticed is uh that everybody has a totally different definition for it for the most part i think the most common of course is yeah um you know just reallocating funds to maybe instead of having a police officer go to someone who's having like a mental episode um divert the funds that are going to the police and uh Put that towards mental health professionals so they're, they're the first responders to an incident like that rather than the police who aren't yep. super highly trained on that and just little things like that and different like social workers and stuff or you know domestic disputes etc um, and then you also have people that will say oh you guys are going to eliminate the police completely we can't do that you know and then there's some people that are for that they're like oh we don't need police which i think is crazy we definitely need them to some regard that would just be making it seem like everyone's a good person when in reality there's legit psychos everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing I will say is that, uh, well, first I'm totally aligned with like, um, taking a look at how we allocate money versus police departments. Um, and then, um, other or to, towards or re rediverting those funds uh other programs that uh may help mental health um issues or just in general like try to create programs that prevent or um help kind of the root of why people can do certain things right um and try to prevent some of those stuff uh, happening from like at, at its root um, but I, I do think like the defund police slogan, I do, I wish that they went with a different slogan. Um, it's just way too easy to be real. picked yeah. apart by conservatives. I, I, I wish that, um, they landed on something else. Yeah. Like reallocate funds. <laughs> yeah. Reallocate, reallocate funds. It's like something. So yeah. they chose the worst words, but that's like the one that gets the headline, right? That's the most like controversial. Yeah. So that's one everyone's going to run with. <laughs> Yeah, and we talk about it all the time, like how, you know, in the U.S. we politicize stuff that seems like pretty clear. And I think, you know, if on no matter on whatever side of the aisle you sit, exploring um, how we allocate resources versus police versus other um, social services programs is like a worthwhile conversation, no matter what. I mean, conservatives are all about small mm-hmm. government, right? Um, but like yeah. we get so anchored on like a word in a frame that it becomes like this super political <laughs> thing where it it's just like, I feel like this arg- is like a, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
it just becomes an argument about the phrasing of the word rather than the actual thing that's going on. Like that's what happened originally with um, uh, Black Lives Matter. People would say, you know, all lives matter. And then you'd have to explain to them why they were talking about. They're not saying that all lives don't matter. They're saying Black Lives Matter just as much as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Exactly. And, yeah. you know, same with the, the no mass thing, too. It becomes like super political or it's just like I feel like we can all kind of agree that preventing coronavirus is good. And maybe we should have like an open mind in terms of like what that looks like. And um, maybe it's just mass inside, uh, you know, whatever. I, I'm not saying yeah. I have the answer. It's just more about having an open mind to try to improve, you know, the way that we do things. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I definitely would be interested to see what they would do and how they would do it my only question is uh i guess defunding and reallocating um funds for the police how does that how how does that get us to preventing um unarmed black men from being killed by the police at like a disproportionately high measure you know how exactly would defunding the police help that just because when you think about the george floyd situation how would that Mm -hmm. have helped because, I mean, wouldn't that officer still be there in that situation if someone brought a counterfeit bill? Or would you have somebody else come in um, and do it? Just like, I just wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know. How exactly does and, it you know, solve that problem? Like, it would be good overall yeah. for the police force in general, but I just don't see how it specifically stops what we're, you know, marching for right now. Yeah, and, like, this isn't just me, you know, talking in real time. I haven't, like, written down or thought through any of these ideas, but... Um, maybe it is in that scenario where they were going to go respond to the George Floyd counterfeit. Do you have a social services person tag along with a police officer? And is it a two car operation or sorry, a two person operation of like a, a public safety person and a police officer? Um, and does that help deescalate the, 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 the situation? Um, maybe deescalate is not the right word because there was not really a, um, anything provoked in that scenario but you know what i mean um yeah and so uh, there may be like different ways to go and, and look at it but it definitely seems like at least having that conversation could help and i, I think there are a couple of other studies that have shown um that when you actually there's like a, a very fine balance in terms of the amount of policing you need where when you have more policing um it tends to um, maybe give too much structure and um, it just creates like a, a worse relationship with the community when there's too much policing. And so I, I do think there's a couple of studies that have shown that too. Yeah, because people always feel like they're being watched and stuff like that. Especially yeah. when your community doesn't have a good relationship with the police in the past and the police have abused their power to see more of them. It's just like, oh, it's even worse now. Yeah, yeah. Having more like um, is not is probably not like super conducive. So, yeah, yeah. I think one of the most important things that definitely needs to be done is obviously you need to convict officers when they do unjustly kill someone. So I think it's very important that um, the officers that killed George Floyd get convicted, and that becomes like a thing um, throughout the country. Additionally, one thing that I've kind of heard about a lot is the fact that police when there's like a complaint made to them their own internal affairs office Mm -hmm. deals with those complaints and so it's basically them governing themselves and that leads to a lot of people not actually getting in trouble so i think it would be good to have a you know third-party organization go in and actually review what police officers are doing and whether the complaints are just and that sort of thing yeah, and I think there have been, um, you know, some progress, all that like small, but I think in Seattle now police officers have to record all the time. Um, I don't know if that's just a short term um, directive or a long term one, but previous to, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, they weren't even required to record all the time. They were required to have like body cameras, but not record. So I'm like, okay what's really the the point in that and so i think like super tiny steps like that i have at least been i've been um it's been positive to see yeah yeah definitely body cams that should definitely be a given i mean if and you have to record them all the time too like i couldn't believe that's a thing that like some um some departments you don't have to record all the time because then what's the point of the camera 
Yeah. One thing I will say, though, at least in the George Floyd situation, that officer knew he was on camera. Like, he literally had, and he just kept doing it, so. Yeah. It's like, yeah, how do you get those is, people, yeah. situations like that, how do we stop those from occurring? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, and a lot of that is systemic, you know, issues that have built up over hundreds of years, and so. Training um, as well. It is training, yeah. Um, the fact that, you know, three other officers just watched and didn't do anything, um, I think is what people often use as an example of, like, it is super systemic. Like, it isn't just uh, bad apples. The fact that three other officers would just stand and watch, yeah. you know. So 100% of people, officers there at the time were fucking up, basically, doing fuck shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it isn't just a, a single bad apple. And it's similar, I think, to the... To the Buffalo one and so many others, you know, that we see. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But did you see uh, earlier this week when the Democrats wore a Kente cloth and took a knee for George Floyd in Congress for eight minutes yeah. and 47 seconds or something like that? Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Man, there it's pandering season out here. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't a giant fan of the clothing. Um, yeah, I. To be I, honest. Yeah, I hate when, I hate when politicians pander more than they actually, you know, produce results. Which I mean, obviously, they do a lot more pandering than anything. But mm-hmm. it's, it was just like, okay, come on, whose whose idea was this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those where. Um, yeah, maybe they don't have as much of a diversity in their, in their circles to be like, uh, I don't know if this is the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But we'll see if I think the pandering has only just begun. Um, hopefully with people marching and keeping at it on the streets, this leads to, you know, the pressure being kept on politicians next because of the few things they care about and they care about one it's power, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, they care about, you know, their backers and you know making sure they get funding. Mm-hmm. And then three, they care about what people think about them as well. So if we keep marching and keep con- calling your, you know, Congress members, senators and everything like that, then I think that's the best way to actually get a change. What that change will be, I don't know. I don't think everyone's set on the exact change that they want to occur. They just, we just want to change, you know. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it is only, you know, the middle of June. It is still uh, a couple months away from the election. And I do think um, these conversations will stay active until then, especially, you know, with the president. Um, In some ways, you know, making sure the conversations continue just with his own rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. What earlier we did a interview with uh, my homie Blaze, known Blaze for quite a long time, and so I think this would be a good point to insert that interview. So enjoy. All right, so we have a very special guest in the building today, uh, my homie Blaze. I've known Blaze for thirteen years now since we. Met in sixth grade or so. Um, how you doing, Blaze? Doing pretty well. Yeah, man. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's been middle school, high school, college. Dude, yeah. <laughs> we went to the same school every year, so it's pretty tight. Uh, where are you living now? I live in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's on the southeastern uh, corner on the coast by the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. And how do you like it down there right now? I don't like it too much. It's, it's always too hot here. Like if you want to do something outdoors, you got to either do it before like 8am or like after 7pm. It's oh, <laughs> horrible. Yeah. It's like a desert and there's like so many bugs, dude. It's crazy. Like if it rains a day that the next day is going to be filled with like mosquitoes and oh, shit. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got so many bug bites. It sounds a bit different than Washington. Oh, it's so much different. I I miss Washington. Washington has good weather and it's, it's made me realize that they have, uh, there's like a reason why a lot of good athletes come from Washington is because like you can go training and like exercising pretty much 
all day long. But over here, you have to you have to wait for it to get cool. Oh, geez. So it's like over. It's probably super humid. I'm guessing and like hundred plus every day. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It, it doesn't get a hundred plus. Like right now, it's still like the cooler part. Uh, I'd say like the highs are like in the mid nineties, but when it gets hotter in like midsummer, hundred plus days are regular. Oh, okay, well, I won't be moving there. I was thinking about moving to Texas, but at least not that area. <laughs> yeah, like Joe Rogan was talking about. Yeah, maybe maybe Austin. Yeah, yeah, maybe Austin. I haven't been. I know Josh yeah. has been. Have you been as well? Uh, I I haven't been yet. Like the whole time I've been here has been like quarantine has been in effect so i haven't been able to travel outside oh gotcha i've been to houston how was that houston's a big city yeah houston's huge like the traffic is crazy and uh yeah houston's cool uh, i think i heard austin would be more of like a kind of like a more hipster vibe than uh than houston okay. if uh it with like i know like we most of us I don't know if both of you guys live, still live in Seattle, but it'd be pretty pretty similar vibe. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I stayed one night in Austin, um, just overnight, and it it was pretty chill. Definitely, there was music playing outside everywhere, which was super cool. Um, a lot of good looking food and beer, and so it kind of reminded me of Portland yeah. and Seattle in, in that regard too. Um, it definitely seems like the more uh, liberal part of the, the state as well. Yeah. Too. So what are you doing down in Texas for our listeners? I know what you're doing, I'm but <laughs> listeners. Yeah. yeah. I, for like, for the thousands of listeners, um, I'm in flight school currently in the Marine Corps. So I'm training, I, I fly planes. I'm training to eventually become a C-130 pilot and I'm flying a trainer aircraft right now called the T-44 Charlie which I have like the cockpit set up right there. I use that to help me study. So I'm here for flight training. Oh, that's right. That's right. How long are you going to be down there um, training? When um, is, is it a year program or a couple of years? It's uh, like in total, all of flight school should be around like two, two and a half years. And uh, I've already completed like, I'm like at the halfway point. I, I completed primary flight training last year. Nice. And now I'm in the second half called advanced flight training. And for me, advanced flight training is multi-engine. So like the, the first plane I flew only had one engine, one propeller. And now I'm flying with two engines, two propellers. So it's a, like the aerodynamics are a little different. Have you actually like flown? So you've flown like, like piloted a plane. Yeah. I've flown a, like I compared to like, like I, I don't have enough hours to have a pilot license yet, but like I, I'm like skilled enough and confident and competent enough to fly planes by myself if I had to. Like one of the requirements at primary flight training is you have to fly a few solo flights. So I, I completed that. That those are a blast. Like so the in primary you usually fly with uh, an instructor. So it's one person in the front and one person in the back of the plane. And the plane's able to be flown by just one person. And when I had that opportunity to fly solo, it was a blast. Just being up in the sky, getting to, it's, a, it's literally a different perspective on the world. You're moving so fast, you get to see, like for example, I flew over the beach by oh, myself sweet. and it's, it's awesome. Is it, is it scary? Like what would be the, what's the most scary aspect of it? Because at least for me, landing when on at least on riding a plane has always been the part that freaks me out the most. Yeah, that's and for good reason. Like landing and takeoff, takeoffs and landing are the most dangerous part parts of flying in terms of the statistics of crashes and mishaps. And uh, hmm. yeah, I'd say the scariest part. So I haven't flown too much in this new aircraft yet because I've been medically downed for a hand injury. But so when I talk about flying, it's from my like year experience with the T6, which is that that single engine plan that I was talking about. The, the scariest part would be when we we're practicing emergencies and the main emergencies would be 
what would we what would we do if an engine fails and like things you have to take into consideration is you have to know where you're at mm-hmm. in the world because if you lose an engine you have to be able to land somewhere pretty much immediately and you're also like flying an airplane at the same time so there's a lot going on in your brain it's it's like a high high stress kind of time period so that that would be like the most scary difficult part in my opinion gotcha but it's also pretty fun once you get the hang of it yeah i bet i've always wanted to learn how to fly yeah (laughs) super sick yeah did did you fly at all before um entering the marine corps was this kind of always something that you wanted to do um or did you did you start to go through it and decide you know flight school is what i want to want to go for so uh it i'll take it back to college i studied microbiology and i went into at uw like both of you guys and i I wanted to be a doctor originally and i did that whole thing of i was uh working in a in a research lab and was like looking into like medical school Mm -hmm. and that whole process but at at the same time i i kind of just wasn't really enjoying it i didn't I wasn't like passionate about it. I did, I wasn't stoked to go and study for hours at a time doing something that isn't that didn't seem too exciting. So uh, I think it was around my sophomore year where I decided I wanted to become a pilot in the Marine Corps. And the the big thing was I remember there was this one during the summer of that sophomore year going to junior year. I went for a swim at Lake Washington and. Uh, it was around the same time Seafair was going on. So the blue angels yeah. were there. And I just thought to myself like, yeah, that's such a cool job. You're like flying so fast. And it, it like, I was thinking those guys get paid to do something that they probably really enjoy. And something just clicked in my head that I wanted to commit and do something like that with my life. And pretty much that same week I started the application process to, become a marine officer and a pilot yeah, that's awesome thank you for your service by the way man yeah thank you yeah yeah it, it's crazy too you know you you saw it and um you went for it and now here you are um a couple of years later and so uh that's super cool to see and hopefully you know as you finish in the next year uh, what's kind of the next steps after you finish uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, trainings that we have to do after we finish because when, when I finish uh, advanced flight training, I get what's called my golden wings, which means that I'm qualified to be a pilot, like an active and fly like combat missions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have no idea how to do that because flight school it just teaches you how to fly. And then when you get your wings, you, you have to, you know nothing about tactics for the most part yet. So because the, the type of flying is different in the military. It's tactical mm-hmm. flying compared to mm-hmm. how like the commercial airlines is like point A to point B. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I have uh, things like that. And mm-hmm. we have this training program called SEER, which is like survival training, kind of like, like this TV shows like Survivor Man. And we have to, we have to learn those types of things if we ever get shot down mm-hmm. behind enemy oh. lines. I see, I see. So still, um, some more training would probably be next and on the more like, um, tactical tact. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, yeah. Gotcha. So I know you do other stuff as well. I know that you're a pretty dope music artist. What, what got you into music and what, where do you see that going? Like what's, what are your goals in relation to that? And also drop your link so people can check yeah. yourself out. I'll, I'll throw it up on as well for the podcast. But <laughs> yeah, so you can find me Instagram at FlyBlaze on Spotify, FlyBlaze, and the S is a dollar sign. Right on. Right on. Uh, music has always been important to me. Like I, I grew up, took piano lessons. Like like most Asian parents were like, "Oh, you got to learn some music skills, and you also have to be a doctor." <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like the narrative <laughs> that I had growing up. So I, I took piano lessons and stuff, but I just I liked all kinds of music growing up. I liked hip hop, went really big into hip hop, like punk rock. And then I really got into electronic music in high school. So I started I really liked uh, Dirty South, 
like hip hop type yeah. beats. So I was making those in high school. They, those songs sucked at the time. And like, not that they, the songs that I made. Yeah, sucked. yeah I know what you're saying. <laughs> and yeah. it, I eventually got hooked onto electronic music because just being in Seattle and like it, they have a pretty big electronic music scene over there. Yeah, there's a big wave. Yeah. I just got hooked on that, watched some tutorials on uh, how to make the music, and I started making pretty much mostly dubstep now. And I like a. In college, I, I enjoyed like DJing house parties and stuff, and I would mix in some of my own original tracks. I remember you guys had a, a pretty big uh, DJ in your house. Yeah, Carter. That he was a, yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's dope. Does he still make music? Uh yes, I believe so. I believe he he still makes music as well. Yeah, okay. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I re- actually remember when you got. A controller because i think you like a dj controller i think you like sent me a picture of it or something like that and we're yeah. showing it me yet I, I just remember that so that's it's dope that you still you know make music and stuff like that and actually like went to parties and dj and all that stuff which is pretty tight yeah it was like the, the big switch for me to like want to practice djing was i started going to like electronic shows and my freshman year like went to freak night and I saw, I went to like an R.L. Grime concert, just like he was a headliner at some show. I think it was like Numos. And I, I thought to myself, that looks like fun. I want to be that yeah, guy, nice. the, the dude yeah. that's in control of the music, playing his own music and mm-hmm. having people like enter like a, a state of like group flow yeah. together and being in control of that. That looked awesome. So I wanted to be that yeah, guy. Do you still DJ at all? I like with the coronavirus uh, now, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't have the opportunity. Yeah, I guess that's true. But when I was living in Florida, I, I was able to DJ the uh, the biggest club over there called the uh, Seville Club. Oh, that's right. Or C- Seville Quarter. And that was a pretty good experience. It was like an off night, but I still am proud of it because it it's like the, the big club over there. Oh, is it is it nerve wracking when you're up on stage or do you feel like you like lose the crowd or like bring them back in. Like, what do you do in, the, in those kind of situations? Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it's pretty much always nerve wracking, especially in front of other people. Cause, uh, like the way that I look at it is I'm, I'm bringing out like my internal reality out into the real world. Cause like people can all like, there's a bunch of like dreamers and thinkers, but it's a different experience when you actually bring that to real life and, make it so like other put it to the judgment of other people so that that's kind of a it's it's always that like that anxiety at the beginning but after you get into the groove of it and you see like people enjoying themselves to your music that's very that's a it's like crazy feeling it's it's a really addicting i'd say and then all like the anxiety goes away and i'm just having fun that's awesome nice how, how did you, um, for the, the club in Florida, how did you make your way in? Do you contact the club? Do they hit you up and, and find your social? How does that process look like? Yeah, it's it's kind of a grind. Uh, it's basically kind of, a, I'd say it's similar to like applying for a job, similar to like applying for a research lab. You like make a, a resume and the resume for being a D- club DJ is, your your music and pre-made mixes that you have you send that to them and if they have contact information like a phone number i i followed up with the person i applied to like five different bars clubs in pensacola i only heard back from one but i had a called after i I, i'd called them after i submitted like an email because they weren't Mm -hmm. really looking for a dj at the time Mm -hmm. and i just told them that I had, I'm interested in DJing cause I had some free time. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, uh, we'll, we'll pick you up. You can, I, so the, the big thing was I offered to do it for free at first and if they like it enough, then I, I would like, would like payment in the future. But I got my foot in the door by offering to do it for free. Mm, nice. 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 That's super tight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you, <laughs> one question, do you have like a pre-made list of like songs you're going to play or are you just up there like just feeling out the vibe and then deciding? Cause whenever I'm at like a party and I'm just playing music on my, my phone, I'm always just like, oh shit, I need to figure out what the next song is going to be. <laughs> it's just so I don't have to like stick around my phone. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Which is totally different, obviously. But. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a mix of of that where like I do have songs like I, I listen to songs and like sometimes I'll practice DJing in my free time I don't do that that often but when I do like I'll get like two or three songs that I can mix really really well and so the transitions will be really good and then uh I intermix that with whatever I want to play at okay. the time so it's it's a it's a mix it's a balance of the two gotcha How's yeah. your DJing going, Josh? Because Josh just got a controller. He's trying to DJ as well. Oh, sick, dude. Yeah, here, um, here when we bring you in frame, that nice little $150 mini controller. Um, yeah, it's been... That's it's, all you need, man. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to get something to mess around with. Um, and I've had it for about a week, and it is really fun just to like plug in headphones and, and play around. Obviously, I'm terrible at it. Um, but hoping to get better and practice transitions and stuff. But it is like a ton of fun. It's like a fun solo way to listen to music and just like, you know, um, play around with the beats and stuff like that. Yeah, that's why I'm curious on how you got into the club. Hopefully I'll be able to get better over the next couple of years and <laughs> play somewhere because that sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, dude. Like if, if that's your goal, I uh, I don't know. I, like I came up with an idea and, I never actually followed through with this idea, but mm -hmm. I was thinking I, I would just copy some major DJ's mix and then submit it <laughs> as my own if, if you like really wanted to get a show. Yeah. Like get download Arla Grimes Halloween yeah, mix. Not a bad idea. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I would have no idea. If you're if you're practice well enough, then yeah. like the club won't care. Yeah, as long as they have someone up there playing music and it's, you know, cheap. <laughs> probably like, yeah. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, man. And uh, yeah. what's it called? Blaze, I know you do other stuff as well. You've got a couple of businesses that you were telling me about uh, when we were talking earlier this week. Uh, do you want to dive into those at all? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm like, you see like those... Uh, ads on instagram facebook saying do you want to make a hundred dollars per day on instagram come and click my link and i'll teach you how to do it i i was like i saw that ad one day and then the same thing happened where i was like well i could do that too yeah. so I, I started a few like drop shipping e-commerce websites and the first few were were a bust uh i had one called edm plur which is like i i sold electronic uh rave accessories and stuff and that that one was all right i have like an instagram page for it but um especially nowadays i won't be able to sell rave products because there's no raves yeah yeah i know that i'm actually following you on there edm4 <laughs> yeah uh my most profitable one is uh this one called seniordoggy.com which i sell dog supplies and yeah uh i just I'm really fascinated with business because one of my big goals is to achieve financial freedom and get that fuck you money where I can do whatever I want whenever I want because I have the money to yeah, do I feel you. it. Yeah. So I sell dog supplies on there. Uh, mostly my the big winning product on that website is uh, these dog hair clippers. Do you have any like anything in particular you want to know about them? Yeah, how do you market it? Do you like do pay for advertising on Instagram and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. I I do uh, Facebook ads. Uh, Facebook has really, it's like they make their money by selling your data to people like me that want to advertise yeah. to you. <laughs> so I it's a really powerful tool for advertising, and I I like I make a video ad. Well, I don't even make the video ad. I pay someone on Fiverr to do it, like from Sri Lanka. Oh, nice. Because they, they, they make decent videos for really cheap. And I have a, another one that I'm going to be running soon. It's called the USA Mosquito. And this one is like kind of like with, with businesses, the way you make money is by solving a problem for a lot of people. 
that's kind of like the Elon Musk way of thinking about how to have a business. So I was like walking my dog one day and it's, I'm in Texas. I was walking through this field and there's literally like millions of mosquitoes. I'm getting live. <laughs> and I thought, I, I hate mosquitoes. I need to figure out a way to stop this because I know it's affecting other people yeah. too. So I go and research a product and I find this like mosquito killer lamp. So I decided I'm going to make a website out of that. And this is the ad that I just had made for it. So like the, the thing that I do is like, it's, I assemble a team to uh, like work on a website. I hire like a graphic designer and a video editor to like make the videos for me. And the, the, what I do is I mostly focus on the advertising and marketing of the product and the handling eventually like customer service. I, I, I'm going to try to outsource that because I have a bunch of people emailing me and I don't like, I'm terrible answering my phone as is. So replying to customers is not something I can, like, I, I don't enjoy yeah. it. So I'm going to hire someone to do that too. And yeah. How do you, how do you balance all your, your time? It looks like you're, you're DJing and flight school, running a couple of businesses, um, working with people in, in different time zones. How do you manage your time? It's yeah, it's, it's all in phases where like, uh, for like one week I'll be like super into making music. So I'll, I'll work on music and then I, I usually don't stop till I make something out of it, like make a finished project. And after that, I won't do music for another like two weeks or a month. And then like the next week I'll, I'll, I'll feel like working on a business and I'll work on that for a week. And when, when you have like with a business, you invest most of your time at the beginning, to like to have it set up. But once it's set up, it pretty much runs itself because all I have to do is manage the ads, which takes like 10 minutes out of my day. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's good that you're able to like kind of scale it up and then, um, not have to spend as much time on it. Like once you get it, you know, running. Yeah. And so is, do you guys have any side hustles? Uh, we've got something we're working on. A little yeah. company. Oh, can we reveal it? it or should we keep it low-key still, Josh? Do we have to keep it a secret? <laughs> uh, not necessarily a secret. I think maybe low-key just for the optionality to pivot more and more. Yeah, yeah. We won't say it yet until we release it. Because <laughs> we pivoted. We're, we're going to make a candy company. A few, uh, probably like a month or two ago, and we were really looking into candy. And then we were just like, it's going to be pretty difficult for us to like go into a kitchen every night and like cook a bunch of candy and like package it and everything then ship it when it only costs, you know, a few dollars to make or whatever. And we'll probably only sell it for a few bucks. So yeah. 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 Okay. That's, I respect that. Like I, I, I like to surround myself with people that like to do the same. And one thing that I like being in the military, uh, there, there aren't too many people that have like similar interests mm -hmm. to me. Most of them are, uh, like a good chunk of them are like kind of like more country type boys especially in the Marine Corps, they're like outdoorsy and I can be outdoorsy if I want to, but I, I want to be, I want to set myself up financially and long-term. So I want to be around like people that are business oriented. So if you guys need help with like, especially like Instagram, Facebook ads, I'm pretty good with that. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, for sure. Definitely. For sure. We'll definitely be picking your brain because you definitely seem to know a lot of what's going on and like what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we, we can shut this down. Thank you for meeting up with us, Blaze. Um, really appreciate having you on. Definitely going to link all your socials. You can say them again one, one more time if you want. I'll just say it. Beat it in people's heads. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, follow me on Instagram, at FlyBlaze, and check me out on Spotify, FlyBlaze, with a dollar sign instead of an S. Thanks. I really appreciate you guys having me on your podcast. You guys are going to crush it. Like you guys are, you're actually doing it there. We have like all those friends that say like, Oh yeah, I should start a podcast. I should do this. I should do that. They never do it. And you guys are actually doing it. So I have mad respect for that. Thank you, man. We appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was great having you on. Thanks Blaze, again for coming on the podcast. It was great talking with you. 
and learned a ton about all of the different stuff you're doing. It seems like you're, you're keeping yourself super busy. Um, transitioning a little bit, Dylan, what do you got going on for the rest of the week? Ha, huh, so for the rest of this week, I'm actually getting a bunch of home gym stuff in the mail. Shout out to my buddy Bob for helping me out with that. Um, so I'm going to set up a little home gym, um, build that out hopefully. Um, in addition to that, I'm getting some like sound panels in, like for like soundproofing um, to put in my office. So maybe we can mm-hmm. hopefully do a live episode here or whatever in person versus, you know, over the phone <laughs> or Zoom. Um, so that would mm-hmm. be cool. Uh, what about you? You know, I think just hanging out for the rest of the day, I think Julie and I are going to go to Wajamaya and buy some fish and try to do some hand rolls. Um later today and so and then maybe go outside and hang out in the sun a little bit um so that should be good too i've been looking around at houses quite a bit too over the over the last couple weeks my lease is due um next month or ending next month or the month afterwards and so just trying to figure out um if i want to try to get a really small place or if i want to go renew the lease and um wait a little bit more time so just kind of figuring it out right now nice nice Oh, darn it, I got to cut that out. <laughs> I'll beep it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just trying to figure it, figure out what I want to do in that regard, which is a bit time consuming, like um, just doing the math and making sure I feel somewhat comfortable. Um, it, it has taken a lot of time. Have you gone and actually toured places? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked at... Um, probably five or 10 places now, uh, a good number. Um, and so, yeah, I've been just kind of walking around, getting a feel for like the, what you can get with your money, right? Like trying to get a feel of the, the different builders and the different townhouses. Cause, um, the quality definitely can differ between them. I would say, uh, I looked at one in Fremont last week which is an incredibly expensive area to live in seattle and the place was therefore really expensive um like 700 so like way above my price range but i like went in and it had like cork floors um which are basically like they look like they were still being constructed but they were finished like just the cheapest floors basically (laughs) and none of the doors even had like handles on it um it was like pool doors and so um, I was like, well, you guys just threw this shit up. And so the the quality can definitely differ depending on um, the unit and what, who the builder is and whatnot. So just trying to like figure that stuff out. Yeah. Type of stuff. Yeah. Do you think you're, you would be more um, interested in getting a, like being in a better location rather than maybe having more space or having uh, it maybe built better or newer? I think for me, um, I want to try to rent out one of the bedrooms and so getting something that's super turnkey, um, I don't really want to spend as much time like having to fix anything up just because uh, I don't really have that much time to go and do that right now. Um, and from like a cash flow perspective, I would rather have something more consistent, yeah. which is just like personally how I'm approaching it. Um, and so I think just making sure it's rental ready. And then uh, outside of that, just looking at like for me, what's a good location versus a bad location is just um, what restaurants can you walk to? Like what's the walkability source, like close to a bus route, a grocery store, et cetera, that you can go and walk to. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, try to get really close to a link station is one of my goals. Um, and so looking at uh, the Judson's Park one that's coming up, North Beacon Hill, um, or just sorry, the Beacon Hill station and then some of the other ones. Um, and so trying to get close to a link station, cause I'm hoping that's something that's valuable here in, you know, five years once they finish like the Seattle, the Bellevue, um, corridor and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's definitely going to be a game changer. So probably a good strategy in terms of, uh, thinking of it as an investment as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun process. It's fun looking at stuff, to be honest. I don't know what I'm going to go do. Like, I'm just kind of figuring out what's the, what's the best of my options. And it may be just like renting for another year 
um, depending on what prices look like and what's, you know, available and stuff. And so I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best option given everything out there. Yeah, I feel it. Well, looking forward to seeing what you end up getting. Could be anticlimactic because you might just get an apartment, but like a rent one. But I could very well just renew my lease. Yeah. <laughs> I could very well. Some to consider though, because uh, at our place you can do six months. So world might be very different in six months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very true. There's a, a ton of uncertainty right now. And so I think there's some benefits to that in terms of prices are a little bit softer, but um, there is a ton of uncertainty. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's about time to shut this thing down. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Thanks again to Blaze for coming on. Uh, make sure to follow us at our Instagram at out of office.pod uh, check out our youtube channel um, we just post clips on there so if you maybe want to share it with a friend it's a really easy way to do it um, and yeah anything you want to say josh no see everyone next week